Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and changemaker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. So the Make Meaning podcast focuses on how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. And we appreciate being here at Le Petit Dejeuner and the Detroit Podcast Festival today to share two of our early guests, David DeWahey, who's one of the co-founders of Detroit City Football Club, our semi-professional soccer team in Detroit, which we love, and Amy Heimerl, who has many, many credentials to her name, including being an award-winning journalist and author and the founder of the Shady Ladies Literary Society. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about how both of you make meaning and how your organizations also lift people up and give people a forum for building community. So welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Let's begin by hearing briefly from each of you about passion. So you both believe in the power of community organizations and grassroots movements to make something happen. So David, talk a little bit about how that plays out with DCFC. Thanks. Yeah, so I think uh, what's so unique and special about Detroit City FC is just the idea that it's uh, it was started by five friends uh, who met each other in a, a co-ed recreational soccer league at Belle Isle, um, looked around and saw the potential for, for something a little bigger, and um, and basically uh, you know established a team that was immediately latched onto by the local community and the, and the you know, sub- suburbs around it. Um, and uh, what it's grown into exceeded all of our wildest expectations, but I think uh, just the, the idea that it's a community-run uh, organization and that it's, it's you know, um, grown to the extent that it has because of the community that supports it uh, makes it all the more exciting to be a part of it, but also um, all the more unique because in a, in, in a time where soccer has become, uh, in this country anyway, kind of a, a sport funded by billionaires, um, the fact that this group of five, you know, uh, humble uh, Detroit residents uh, has has turned it into something bigger through the help of those around them um, kind of uh, makes it extra cool. I love that. I think that's to me, and I'm a native Detroiter, um, I feel like the term Detroit scrappy is a thing that I want to start using because I think we are. You know, we just, we make things happen. We bring people together. I, I think it's in the DNA of Detroit. And that's what I love so much about DCFC is that um, it just feels very Detroit to me, you know, and I, I don't want it to, I don't want to lose that. It feels like no other city is going to have that kind of passion and style and, you know, all, everybody come together and just sign on to it, you for know? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Amy, talk a little bit about how this sense of passion and grassroots community organizing drives shady ladies as well. Well, I would say we started with passion, and I had a passion for supporting women authors. I'm an author myself and found out how difficult it was for writers to connect with readers. Yes. Publishing and publishers very rarely send writers out on book tours, so my initial idea was just like, look, if we could bring emerging women authors to Detroit and pair them with local women chefs and like create these great experiences, we could you know, make Detroit a hub for literary conversations and put us in front of the publishers. Yeah. 
But in doing that, I discovered women came for the food, or they came for the book, or they came for whatever wacky location I found, from a cemetery to a field house, or but the they come back for the community. Or the cocktails. Or the cocktails. Cocktails are key, <laughs> as always, cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. But really what they came back for, I found out, was community, and the idea that a women, especially at a certain point, stop losing, start losing opportunities to meet new people and engage in conversations. And I was providing that and providing a place where they could come without a friend and leave with 20. And so that community and now really my passion about building not just shady ladies from an experience perspective, but what is the shady ladies community across our country that believes in the power of women's voices and women's stories? Yeah. And I think that both of you, both of your organizations really lift up, you know, um, sort of underdogs or, you know, it's very diverse, it's welcoming, um, everybody's welcome, you know, and like you said, you can arrive by yourself and leave with a friend. And I've noticed it at both, you know, both DCFC games, you can go over to the supporter side and you don't know anybody and you're just swept up in the enthusiasm and the passion and you, you dance along, you know? I mean, and at Shady Ladies, I've gone to several now and I see familiar faces, I, people that, whose names I don't remember, but I remember them, and so we just strike up a conversation right away. And I think that's very unique. I mean, I think um, it's needed in this day and age when people feel more distant than ever. And maybe you could talk a little bit about how you cultivate that. You know, I don't know if it's purposeful or if it just sort of happened, but maybe there's a, a culture that you built that made it conducive for people to feel comfortable and welcome, and so therefore friendships are blooming from that. Um, I don't know what, what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, I can speak to that a bit. I think our, the, the ownership group always kind of had the, the motto, like, we want to be the host of the party, not the life of the party. And I think the supporters that have latched onto the club over the years have very much made it their own thing. And they've kind of forged the identity of the club. And um, we've been fortunate in, that, in that, that core of people were a lot of really open-minded uh, you know, socially progressive, welcoming men and women, and um, and so I think as a result, kind of the the feel of the club has has followed suit. Um, so I guess what what worked for us was just the idea that you know I think we we tried to create a platform, um, not not be too imposing on anything, and kind of let it grow organically. And you just hope that good people are going to be involved and take the reins, and that the the, the rest will follow. Um, but I think whether it's a literary club or a soccer club. Um, you know, the, there was a famous soccer player who once said uh, his childhood club meant so much to him because it was just a place where he felt like he belonged, where he kind of found himself. Yeah. And I think whether it's soccer or through literature, just the idea that you can kind of identify with these people that are otherwise strangers, like you said, you, you leave with friends. Um, you know, there's some common ground there, but ultimately it's just this shared experience that, uh, that kind of fosters those friendships and, and that feeling of comfort and belonging so that you, you come back and the next time you come back, you bring a friend because you want them to have that same experience. Absolutely, 100%. What, what are your thoughts about that, Amy? So, you know, I would say that absolutely being the host of the party, not the life of the party, absolutely kind of overlaps with what I do. I think that, you know, growing up and, and in many situations, spending time feeling like you're on the outside of a conversation, you're at a party or an event, 
and there's people talking and you can't sort of break in and just feel like you're an outsider. And I didn't want to create something where everybody felt like outsiders, yeah. but wanted to create something where everybody felt like they were an insider and they were one, everybody was an us and nobody was a them. And so I think the phrase that I've used since the beginning that's been really important has been grace and graciousness. So when you arrive at a Shady Ladies event, I want you to feel warm and welcomed and like everything has been thought through and that I as a host am going to make sure if you're standing by yourself that I'm doing an introduction or getting you into a, you know, a conversation with somebody else and that everybody who comes knows that this is a space where we're going to talk about ideas and we may have, you know, we've had Palestinian authors and Jewish authors and African-American authors and immigration authors and that this is a place for us to be able to say all of us are us and we're going to learn from the stories and see humanity in them. And so yeah. that grace and humanity, I think shady ladies just latch on to that feeling and then keep perpetuating it themselves. You know, you bring up a really good point that is a great segue to my next question, which is about how you guys are creating common grounds for people from very diverse backgrounds and origins to come together with a shared interest and find connection. And I feel, you know, it's so important in our polarized world today. You know, we really have huge um, gulfs between people across the country, around the world. And you're both doing this really well. You know, soccer, I feel, is sort of that universal language that anybody can play. It doesn't matter if you have money or none, what race you are, what religion, where you live. You know, there are children in, you know, without shoes in communities, um, far from here who make a ball and they're kicking it around and they become superstars, you know, and then there are kids with very high priced soccer balls from the local store and, you know, their parents are giving them every tool that they need. But it's a universal language where we come together and when we're kicking that ball around and we're watching and we're cheering on the people who are, um, we're just united in that. And, and it's the same thing with the stories that people share. You know, all of the books that you featured are stories of overcoming challenge, of facing odds and figuring out how to surmount them and, and finding comfort in community and support. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about, you know, maybe you didn't intend this or maybe you did, but how what you provide is giving a safe common ground for all kinds of people to come together and really connect over a shared interest or shared passion. I would say, so that was a mission of mine from the get-go, was this idea that we were going to bring emerging women authors and we were going to pair them with emerging women chefs and that we were going to focus on a diversity first and foremost and making sure that this was a place for different people and different conversations to be happening. Because in these polarized times, I fundamentally believe that stories and good food can bring us together and create that space for us to get to know each other so that everybody becomes an us around the table instead yes. of a them. Yes. Doing it, I think, is always a little more difficult than the idea of it, but it's it's come along, and I think it's about intentionality and saying, I am intentional about the stories I choose to feature, whether that is the scientists from our chemistry club talking about concussions or being actively saying, am I, what's my mix of authors? Do I have a good range of backgrounds and experiences, and are these stories really reflecting this idea of coming together, because there's lots of great books, but I don't need another beach read that's just like fun <laughs> to go through. But like, right. what are those stories helping us explore and putting us in worlds we wouldn't normally see? So I think intentionality is the key for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think, as you mentioned, soccer is uh, globally such an accessible sport. You know, it's probably the most commonly played sport among youth 
Uh, it's growing exponentially in this country for boys and girls alike. And so we, we had a, a great choice of sport to, to use. Yeah. Um, but I think if, you know, if you've ever been to a game or if you've heard about the experience at a game, I think the, the atmosphere and the event itself kind of transcends the sport. Um, so many people come because uh, they look around, they see people enjoying themselves, they see people passionate about something. Uh, the spectacle of the game is certainly worthwhile on its own, but, um, but I think just the, the idea that you're, you're kind of coming to this space in the city and, and you're around like-minded people that are kind of pulling together for a common cause, um, you know, it really, it's a natural bond. Um, and as a club, what we've been fortunate to be able to do is every year we have a, a charity game and we've been able to find causes that, um, as you said, kind of try to bridge some of those gulfs that are currently existent, you know, in this country in particular, but worldwide. And so, you know, for example, a few years ago, we were able to um, generate some, uh, some revenues to support Freedom House during a time nice. when, you know, that Yay. was a really hot topic, still is, obviously, yeah. but, yeah. Um, you know, to be able to make a statement like that as a club that, hey, look, this is what we support, and if you want to be a part of it, we welcome you to do so, um, you know, not to go negative in any way, just to embrace the idea of, of, of supporting a cause that means something to you, um, you know, really, I think it has a, a special power to it. Yeah, um, and you're doing a pride raiser, and today's the last day for that. So yeah. I know this is streaming live, mm -hmm. so um, even though we will re-air this on our channels, I'd love for you to tell a little bit about how people can get in on the sure. action today. Still? Yeah, perfect yeah. segue. Thank yeah, you. So, sure. um, so Pride Raiser is a, a nationwide coalition of supporters of soccer teams that are raising money to support local LGBTQ um, industries, uh, initiatives, organizations. And so um, our local uh, support is being given to the Ruth Ellis Center. Okay. Um, our primary supporters group, the Northern Guard supporters, have a page on this Pride Razor uh, platform. Okay. Uh, the website, if anyone is interested, is prideraiser.org. And okay. then you can scroll through. It's really cool. There's tens of hundreds of teams around the country where the supporters groups have organized this fundraiser. And the format is you make a pledge per goal. Uh, goals scored in the month of June then get multiplied by that pledge and that's how people are supporting their local causes um, awesome. And so we're up at like eight hundred seventy five dollars per goal right now oh. as, a, as a club um, And then as, there's a secondary supporters group that's also raising funds and so nice. um, we, we have our final game in the month of June today at five today, yep. Hopefully we'll tack a few more goals onto that multiplier um, awesome. But if anyone's interested, prideraiser.org is, is the way to support. Nice. Um, Thank you. Yeah. yeah, Robin from Motor City Woman is going to be giving out tickets to today's game that you generously donated. Awesome. Yeah, so um, I want to close with one last question. It's kind of a big question, but um, in Detroit, we're sort of riding this wave of entrepreneurship. And um, you both have taken an idea and given it life. Um, and really, it's grown beyond your expectations, and then it gets bigger in your vision. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that process of, you know, you, you sort of come up with this idea, and then how do you make that a reality? You know, what goes into it? What has gone into building both of your organizations, um, and then what are, you, what are you looking for in the future? So I actually teach creativity and entrepreneurship at Michigan ah, State. Perfect. Um, so and I'm stronger on the creativity than maybe the entrepreneurship. <laughs> the business side is something I'm still learning, but the way we started was just with an idea. You know, I had this idea that if we could change up the book reading and do it, something as an experience that had more pieces to it that could get people excited, we could do something different here in Detroit. And then as I teach my students, you just have to take action. You start with something. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to. As we say in the entrepreneurial world, don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> right? Like, try to take one piece, build that, and then yes. step by step go. Uh -huh. And I... 
I think that we did that, and now I'm trying to figure out how to scale and how to become something bigger. What does that mean? What does that look like without ever losing the authenticity and the sense of grace and graciousness that I, and inclusiveness that has always sort of been a hallmark of Shady Lady. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to in the future is figuring out that next challenge. So I can just see it now, the Shady Ladies Literary Society book tour. So authors now are going to want to go on your tour of all the American cities where there are Shady Ladies events, right? And you're going to sign them. It's going to be like a really big deal. I, so would, I'm just, I would love that. Yes. I'm just working on my next book and I'll let you know when it's ready. Excellent. So, okay. All right. Perfect. <laughs> What about you, David? Thanks. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think in my case, uh, it, it wasn't my idea. I had a friend from college who kind of saw, had this vision of, of a, of a community-based grassroots team in the city, and um, he invited me to be a part of it. And so for me, I think, you know, the first step was, um, well, as I alluded to earlier, you know, surrounding yourself with good people. Like, I had reconnected with this friend from college. He invited me to be a part of it, and I said yes. And I think sometimes just saying yes to something that even if you're not 100% sure about it, um, you know, giving it a chance. And uh, it, it, it's turned in, I, I got to know this amazing group of four other partners. And then every Saturday night, it's grown into this, this collective of like six or 7,000 people that, <laughs> that I'd all consider like really good people that are buying into this cause. And so um, taking a chance on something that comes your way, being open-minded, um, having ideas yourself that you, can, that you can bring to the table, obviously, and being confident in those ideas. But... Um, you know, most importantly, just put, putting yourself in a position to, to get the invite in the first place. So leap and the net will appear, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah? exactly. So as we close the Make Meaning podcast, I'm Lynn Galadner, and we do this every week of the year. We focus on how we make meaning and find purpose, and I wanted to ask both of you to finish with a few thoughts from your own lives. You both do a lot of different things. David, you're a math teacher, you're a dad, you are a partner in a really big, exciting um, soccer complex now, I would say. Amy, you're a professor, a journalist, author, and leading such a wonderful literary revolution. So maybe leave us with the last few words about your meaning and your purpose um, and what you're doing every day. <laughs> my, my meaning and my purpose every day, I think, is a question I have to ask myself every day as I'm on this journey and recognizing that I think that one of the unique things, I, skills I have in life is I grew up really poor in rural Colorado. Now I live in, have always lived in urban cities. I seem to be this person who can bridge worlds. So what makes meaning for me is figuring out how to be a bridge and a connector between people, whether that's my students at Michigan State or that shady ladies bringing them together around ideas, that what makes meaning for me is helping people and bringing people together. I love it. Thank you. For sure, I'd, I'd echo that sentiment 100%. And I and I think for me, my in, in terms of the the search for making meaning lately, it's something that I don't think I'm always doing a great job of. But just being present in whatever, because as you yeah. mentioned, you know, we're we're busy. We have a lot of, of things going on. And as a as a father and a husband in particular, I feel like so often I'm I'm thinking about that next thing while I'm in the midst of something that's that's right. so so important at the time, and it's right. really easy to miss out. And so. Uh, just trying to be mindful and, and present in whatever you're doing and, and t taking faith in the fact that things will get done and you'll be able to commit your energy to that next thing when it's time. Uh, it, it's a skill to develop for sure and it's a, yeah. a presence of mind to have, but um, you know, nobody's perfect at it, and, but I think it's something to strive for for sure. Awesome. So David Duwehi, Amy Heimerl, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning Podcast at the Detroit Podcast Festival. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks so much for letting us be here. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you would share our great conversations with your people so we can all add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.